What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. If you were about to die and you had your loved ones gathered around you and you had one last chance to say something important, something meaningful to them, what would you say? And secondly, you knew that what you were about to say, this would come from God, right? So God wanted you to say this mighty thing. What would you say? What would be your final words? Well, that's what Joshua is facing here. In Joshua chapter 23 and Joshua chapter 24, we see Joshua's last words. In Joshua chapter 24, he's 110 years old. And he's about to go the way of all the earth. He's about to pass away. And in Joshua chapter 3, it's nearing his end of life there. Now, in Joshua chapter 23, it's 10, maybe as many as 20 years after the land had been allotted. 10 to 20 years after Joshua had drawn the lots and the names of the tribes and passed them all out, he calls for the chieftains and the heads of the tribes and the elders to show up. Why? Because he's got to give them one more message from God. And then in Joshua 24, we don't know if it occurred right away after the message in Joshua chapter 23, or, or maybe it occurred like on an anniversary of that message. So the first message in Joshua chapter 23 occurred at a place called Shiloh, the second one occurred at a place called Shechem. And we don't know the time difference between them. All we know is when he gave the second message in Joshua chapter 24, he is 110 years old. And we know he gave the first one in chapter 23 about 10 to 20 years after he had finished allotting the land. So this had occurred near the end of his life when he's about to die. And this occurred after the tribes had been in the land for a number of years, a decade or more. And it's really interesting. These last two chapters bring up this one same point. And Joshua, I think, Yahweh came to him and said, I need you to pass this point on. I need you to rehearse with the people some amazing things that I've done for them. But I need you to get across this one big point in both these sermons, in both these messages that you're going to pass on to the people. I need you, Joshua, to stress and to get across this one big point. Please get it across. What is it, God? I can hear Joshua saying, what is it? You must cling to Yahweh. You must cling to me. 
Don't cling to other gods. Don't worship other gods. Instead, cling to me. That's the basic message that Joshua got across to his people. In chapter 23, it begins with this first message where he says, God is the one who fought for you. God is the one who fought for you and pushed all the other tribes out. As it says in verse 10, one Israelite could kill a thousand Canaanites. Why? Because it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Be very careful, he says in Joshua 23, verse 11. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. And later on in Joshua chapter 24, at the second message, he says, Your fathers before you, Abraham, Terah, Jacob, they worshipped other gods. But in the end, they put them all aside and pursued Yahweh. And you know what's really interesting is that first message was at Shiloh, right? But the second one in Joshua chapter 24 occurs at a city called Shechem. And what's really interesting is Shechem is the place where Jacob, their forefather, took all the idols of his family, of his servants, of all his sons and all their wives, took all their idols and right there in Shechem buried them under a terebinth tree. He purged his family of all these other idols that were in praise of another god. Why did he do that there? Because Shechem was a special place. Shechem was where Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, first, when he first came into the promised land, this is where he dedicated the spot to the Lord. And he said, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And here Jacob said, I've got to purge myself of these idols. I've got to get rid of them. I've got to purge them out of my family. He buried them under this tree. And in the same spot, Joshua, many years later, says, just like my forefather, Jacob, Israel, we've got to get rid of our idols. We've got to get rid of our idols, and we should only follow Yahweh. We should only cling to him. Don't cling to other gods. We have to only cling to Yahweh. And he says in chapter 24, he says, I know you have idols in front of you. He says, you have idols in the midst of you, but you have got to get rid of them. And then Joshua, I can imagine, stands before them. And he says this famous phrase. He says, you can continue pursuing those idols. You can continue secretly worshiping the God of the Canaanites, Baal. You can secretly worship the female God, Ashtaroth, thanking them for the rain. But man, you've missed it. You can choose that, as he says there. If it's evil in your eyes, if it's too much in your eyes to worship Yahweh, you can go ahead and, and choose to serve the gods of the Amorites or those gods beyond the river, which your forefathers, Terah and Abraham and Jacob worshiped. You can go ahead and pursue all those idols. But then he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
And you see that verse today, right? When you go into somebody's home. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I was just in somebody's house the other day that had that up on the wall. And I thought to myself, do these people truly understand what it means? Do these people in this house truly understand the choice that is set before them? Did the Israelites truly understand the choice Joshua was putting before them? You can pursue other gods. Guess what? Not only can you, you will. You will pursue another god. Because we have a tendency to want to pursue a god, right? We are going to worship somebody, something. And in our modern world, we may not call them little G gods or even big G gods, but some of us pursue money like it's a god, right? We put everything else behind it. We just pursue it and we bow down to it. Some of us pursue fame and fortune. Some of us are so in love with the sport that we create athletes in this idol worship and we will pursue that sport, that fame, that actor, whatever it happens to be, that politician that we think will fix everything, we will pursue a God. But Joshua says, you've got to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, me and my wife, my kids, my extended family, my servants, my whole family, we're going to serve Yahweh. That is who we will serve. So when we take our money, instead of serving the God of greed, instead of serving another God, we're going to take that money. We're going to give it back to the church. We're going to use it to support kingdom initiatives, and we're going to put it towards things that matter. How I spend my time? What do I work at? What books do I read? Are they all about serving God and who he is? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what Joshua gave him. That's the basic message. God told Joshua, tell Israel, and the thing that blows my mind is, right, God had fulfilled all the promises he'd made to Israel. This generation of Israelites had seen their fathers die in the wilderness because they didn't trust God. And here they came across the River Jordan. And here they saw Jericho fall apart just by marching around it. And here they saw the sun stand still. And here they saw miracle after miracle. And here they saw a mighty God fulfill all his promises that he made to them. But still, at the end of the day, Joshua had to remind them, don't pursue other gods. Don't go after other gods. And then later on, he says, don't intermarry with the tribes that are still among us. Now, it's interesting. God had said, I want you to go in and I want you to take these cities and I want you to put them under the ban. I want you to put them to complete destruction. Wipe them out. And they did. That's what the Bible says they did. So how are these tribes still there? 
I think maybe people got out of the cities and ran away. And, and I think they did put to complete destruction everybody that lived in those cities. But there were pockets of other people who lived outside the city. And maybe they were nomadic and they moved around. And, and they were in certain regions. And when Joshua said, all right, the Danites, the Reubenites, the Gadites, the Judahites, when you go back and you take possession of the land, some of you are going to have to fight. Some of you are going to have to take it from the very Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites that are still there. You're going to have to fight, but you can do it. And so they went back and many of them did. And they totally purged the land of the pagan influence, but many of them didn't. For instance, in the middle of Judah, there's this town called Jerusalem. And instead of pushing them out and fighting them till they were rid of all the Jebusites that lived there in Jerusalem, they let them live. It wasn't until David, many years later, that they were finally able to drive the complete pagan influence out of the city of Jerusalem. And they couldn't defeat them, the Bible says there in Joshua. They tried over and over again, and they couldn't defeat them. Maybe they lacked faith. Maybe they weren't fighting in the right way. Maybe they weren't following God completely. Or maybe God said, I want these people here till David wipes them out. I don't know. But they didn't totally accomplish the will of God for whatever reason. Up north, a couple of the tribes, instead of pushing the people out, you know what they did? They made a treaty with them and and they charged them rent basically for renting some land from them and they got tribute payments. So they got a nice little kickback. We'll leave you alone. Just pay us for the right to stay in that land. Is that what they were supposed to do? No. Joshua said, you've got to push him out. You've got to get rid of him. Well, these tribes, many of them just stayed. And they grew and they grew. By the time we get to the book of the Judges, some of these tribes are so big that they harass and oppress some of the Jewish tribes that are in the promised land. And so Joshua says, if you don't get these tribes out, they're going to come back. And he says, literally, they're going to be like thorns in your eyes. They're going to scratch you, scratch you, ooh, can you imagine having thorns in your eyes? Oh, that would hurt. Oh, it'd be horrible. And that's the way these tribes are going to be, Joshua says in chapter 23 and 24. Unless you push them out, unless you be strong, unless you be courageous, you can do this. Yes. But Joshua knew that these tribes aren't going to do it. I think it's with a tinge of sadness he recounts all the things that God had done for them. How he'd given them land. How he'd given them all these wonderful things. And one of the things he says is, your God did all these wonderful things for you. He gave you land that you didn't plow. He gave you vineyards full of grapes that you didn't plant. He gave you houses and land. He gave you great backyards with swimming pools you never put in but you've got to serve him and you've got to love him because if you don't 
Joshua says, if you don't, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, it says in Joshua 24, verse 20, then he will turn to you and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. He's reminding them back in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses had set this covenant before them of love and justice and righteousness and goodness and and all these wonderful blessing upon blessing upon blessing that's going to come to you, Israel, if you do what is right. But if you don't, he says in the book of Deuteronomy, there is curse as Moses put before him. There is curse after curse after curse after curse. And Joshua here is reminding them there is blessing, but there are many curses coming. If you pursue other gods, if you cling to other gods, you will be cursed. Don't do it. And he rehearsed the beauty of the Lord and the history of what God had done for the people of Israel and the love he had bestowed upon them. And he says, cling to the Lord, cling to Yahweh. Please do not pursue these gods of the people that are in your midst that you should have wiped out, but you haven't. Definitely don't intermarry with them, he says. Don't allow them to influence your culture. Separate yourselves. In fact, push them out. Don't pursue their gods. I can imagine the people looked at each other in shock. And they're like, what does Joshua think we are? Does he think we're that weak-willed? Does he think we're that lame? They say, no, but we will serve the Lord. We will. We promise you, Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. But I don't think Joshua trusts them. He knows they haven't pushed the people out like they should have. He knows the heart of Israel is bent towards sin. He knows the history of their fathers. Why should they be any different? But they kept telling Joshua, we're not going to follow like our fathers. We're not going to cling to other gods. We will only pursue Yahweh. And Joshua says, all right, great. Then let's set up a witness. Let's set up a rock, a big stone, and we're going to write all the statutes and all the rules right here at Shechem, and we're going to put them upon this big rock, and we're going to put it under this tree, and it's going to be a reminder to everybody who passes by, these are the covenants, and then we're going to recite them in front of this rock, and this rock is going to hear them metaphorically, not literally, but this rock is going to hear us recite our witness and how we are only going to be true to Yahweh and this rock is going to hear us and it is going to stand as a witness that we're going to see every day in our commute to work. Every day as we take our kids out to the playground, out for a stroll with our dog, every time we see that rock here at Shechem, we're going to be reminded that we the chieftains, the elders, the people of Israel said, we are only going to serve Yahweh and we're going to see this large stone and this witness and we're going to be reminded and we will not deal falsely with our God and we're going to be reminded to always worship Yahweh. But in the end, it says that Joshua after writing all this down, making this memorial, getting his people to promise that we will cling to Yahweh, 
It says at the age of 110, he died. Then later on, it says in the book of Joshua that the bones of Joseph were buried right there in the promised land. And Eliezer, the priest, this famous priest who had taken over from Aaron, the founder of the Levitical priest, this was a well-revered priest. He also passed away. And so Jacob and the his death and Joseph, his bones were buried. And Eliezer, his burial was made. And that's the way the book ends. With three funerals and a promise. And I think that's one thing that's important for us, isn't it? That at the end of the day, we realize that that's what's waiting for us is a funeral. We will die. And we're going to spend the rest of eternity, our soul, either in heaven with Jesus forever or in hell, separated from God forever. Because that's the only thing that's going to last, right? The souls of humanity, the souls of each one of us, and the word of God, those are the only two things that will last forever. And the only way that your soul will remain connected with God for the rest of your life is if you follow Jesus Christ. If you cling to him. If you take up Joshua's mantle, who will you serve today? What God will you serve? Because you're going to serve some God. Will you serve self, flesh? Will you ultimately serve the little G God called Satan and his minions and his demonic world? Will you follow that God? Because many of you are. By not putting your faith in Jesus, by just playing the Christian game, many of you are. Maybe many of you right now are sitting there thinking, I know it's going to cost me too much to follow Jesus. If I really live that out, do you know what's going to cost me in terms of my own friendships? Who I'm going to have to stop hanging out with? Where I'm going to have to stop going? Some of the things I'm going to have to stop doing? And uh, someday, someday, just not right now. But the book of Joshua reminds us over and over again, you can only serve one God. If you want to be with Jesus in heaven for eternity, you have to follow his son, Jesus. That's your only choice. You've got to stand with Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve Yahweh. And the only way to serve Yahweh is to follow his son, Jesus. Because his son, Jesus, is Lord. He is God, and he proved it by dying on the cross. And with that death, taking the sins of the world with him. He died in my place and in your place. And then three days later, it looked like he was dead and sin and one. But guess what? He defeated death. He rose again. Jesus is God, and he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And someday he will return. 
And if you follow Jesus and you say, he is my savior, he is my God, I'm going to put all my believing loyalty in him, then you're his child and you're going to spend eternity with him forever. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I pray that you will ask Jesus to save you today. I pray that you will believe that Jesus is God. Put all your hope and trust in him. And I pray that in doing so, you will stop living in a way that dishonors God and turn around and start pursuing and walking after God and studying his word and beginning to work through what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? How should I live? What is my fruit going to be like? What has God called me to pursue him every day? If you do that, you can stand with Joshua. You can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.